Welcome to the Loss and Lifting Talk podcast. The show is created to help you find your confidence by breaking down the complicated science of training and nutrition and turning it into simple, but more importantly, practical solutions that you can implement right away to start creating real results inside your body composition. We don't stop there either. We dive into the mental aspect of fitness to not only build a better body, but a better life all around. Podcasts were the medium where I learned and grew as an individual more than any other place in my life. The goal of this podcast is to give that back to you to start building the exact body and life that you know you're capable of. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Today, we're going to hop into the six signs as to why your training program sucks. That might be a bit of a triggering title, but honestly, it's all out of love. I'm coming at this from the angle of, I'm going to talk with you about the six signs or the six things that I was doing wrong when I first got started getting into training and when I first started building my own programs um, and what I could have done differently to see results at a little bit of a more efficient pace. And chances are, if I'm making these mistakes, you're probably making these mistakes too. I know a lot of the people that come into loss and lifting and then we, that we work with on training and we always like, whenever we're looking to start somebody on a training program and build that out and customize it to them and to their goals and their experience level and their schedule and yada, yada, yada. What we always like to do is first is to see what the training program has been that you've been following for the last while. If you've been training, not everybody's been training and they're coming to us just as a fresh start because they've taken some time off. But if you have been training, we always like to look through your training program just to see what you've been doing in the last while so that we can see what's maybe worked for you, what you enjoy, but then we can go in and tinker with it to make it much more effective and tailor it to you based off of evidence plus what you like so that first off, you're able to stay consistent because you are enjoying it. But second off, you're enjoying it that much more because it's actually effective and creating the result you want in an efficient manner. And so I'm able to see a lot of people's training programs that they're running on their own or what they create for themselves, as well as I know the problems that I was creating for myself when I was building out my own training programs before I had much experience or really had dove into the evidence-based side of things when it comes to training and changing your body composition and getting stronger and building muscle, building definition, dropping body fat, um, et cetera. So those are, that's exactly what we're going to hop into. I don't say that your training program sucks to trigger you. I say that because we can always improve, right? I know that there was a lot of places where I could improve. I know a lot of the clients that come in and we look at their training programs, what they've been following. There's a lot of pieces where they can improve, which means if you're listening to this podcast today, chances are there are places in your training program that you can improve to spend your time more efficiently to get a bigger return on your investment from the time that you're spending in the gym. So that is what we're going to hop into. One little request for you before we do dive into these six points is... If you're enjoying Lost and Lifting Talk being back after the break that we took through the first part of 2021, I'd be extremely grateful if you could take a screenshot of this episode, put it on your IG story, and tag me in it. That way I can go ahead and repost it. I'll send you a message personally thanking you for doing so, and it will just put more eyes on the show to continue getting more and more listeners, right? So um, yeah, if you have a little bit of time, I would greatly appreciate that. And everybody that has been doing that, thank you so much. It, it really does help, and it means more to me than, than you guys realize. So um, with that, let's just hop into the six signs that your training program sucks. All right, point number one is you're switching up your workouts way too often. 
I know when I first started going to the gym, I was under this misconception that you needed to confuse your muscles more often by always switching it up, and that was going to help you build muscle, right? And as more and more studies have come out, it shows pretty definitively that in order to build muscle, we need to be creating progression inside of the workouts that we're doing over time in order to create progressive overload. But if you are switching up your exercises, if you are switching up your rep ranges, if you are switching up the amount of sets that you're doing every single week, it gets really hard to be able to even know if you're able to progress or not, right? And so what we like to do inside of Lost and Lifting with when we are creating training programs for people is we'll generally put a program together for at least a four-week period. So you're essentially going to follow the same program over that four weeks. And what that allows you to do is we give you a rep range with inside of each exercise that we're going to be doing. And then you're in a position to where you can start to progress the amount of reps or the amount of weight or the amount of sets that you're doing inside of those particular exercises so that you can make sure that you're actually progressing what you're doing And then that is what's going to force your body to progress as well. I always like to use that phrase. I always say, what makes you think that your body's going to progress if your training isn't progressing? And really, that's the vehicle to seeing results, right, is through your training. But if your training isn't progressing, there's not going to be a reason for your body to follow suit and progress as well. So like I said, if you're always switching up your workouts on a weekly basis and if you're not creating four-week blocks, at least four weeks, it doesn't necessarily have to be four weeks. That's just the amount of time that I like to do it. I know some people that will run a three-week training block. I know some people that will do a four. I know some people that do a six. Some people will do an eight. I even know some people that will do it for up to 12 weeks. And really, what makes the most sense is if you're always able to progress and exercise, if you're trying to be as evidence-based as possible, it probably make the most sense, honestly, to continuously run the same exercises until you can't progress them any further. So you wouldn't even put in specific amount of weeks that you're going to follow a workout program. You're just going to follow a workout and exercise within a rep range for as long as you can that allows you to keep progressing without hitting failure and running into a brick wall. And like a lot of bodybuilders, that's what they'll do. They won't switch anything up until they can't progress the exercise any longer. But now, couple of things that you have to take into consideration there is one, if you're not enjoying your training and it's very monotonous and you're going into the exercise, into the workouts, having to do the same thing over and over and over without that light at the end of the tunnel, that can get very, very boring, right? And, and we definitely want your training to be fun because that's one of the most important aspects of your training. If you're not enjoying it, it's going to be a lot harder to stay consistent with it and you're probably not going to see as good of results from it. And so this is why I don't like to program that way. And I won't just give somebody a few exercises and say, here, run these until you can't progress them anymore. Then let me know and we'll switch them. I mean, if I was trying to be as evidence-based as possible, that's how I'd go about it. But that's where the art of coaching comes in as well, right? You have to understand that there's emotions that come into play with all of this too. It's not always just about the logic and about the science. It's about coaching people and human beings. And so we have to take that consideration at play. And I've found that keeping workout programs the same for around a four-week period gives us enough time to create those progressions in those workouts for a long enough period of time to see really good results. But at the same time, 
you know that we're switching it up soon enough that you don't get too bored from it. Right around that third or fourth week when you're kind of getting sick of doing the same exercises, same rep ranges, you're getting a little bit burnt out, then wham. We switch up all of the exercises, we switch up the workouts, and you have a fresh new block of workouts that you can run for another four-week period. So that's how we like to go about getting around the two. I've just found that around that four-week period is usually the sweet spot to where people are starting to get a little bit bored of what they're doing, and it's that right time to switch things up because we've created the progression, now we can move on to something else and do it again. But again, if you're switching things up every single week and you're not writing out training blocks or a four-week block for yourself to run and then progress that training block, you don't actually know if you're progressing. And the only reason for that is because you're switching up your workouts far too often. So it takes a little bit more time. You can't just go into the gym and say, ah, I feel like I'm going to do this today or let's switch it up and do this today. You have to go in, have some structure to what you're doing and follow that for a few weeks to create those progressions and then you're going to start seeing results inside of your body a whole lot faster because again, you're forcing your training to progress, which is then going to force your body to progress on top of it. And that's really a good segue to lead right into point number two, which is you aren't tracking your progressions. This is another one comes with being a little bit more, a little bit more tedious, right? In terms of not just going into the gym and lifting as much as you want to, or just doing a bunch of different exercises and not really tracking anything that you're doing. If you're not creating data and metrics of where you are and what you did in your last workout, well then how do you know what you need to do in the following workout to create progress off of the last one to again, force your body to progress and follow suit as well. And so it's a really big one. If you're not tracking the amount of sets that you're doing in particular exercises, if you're not tracking the amount of weight you were using or tracking the amount of reps that you were doing, then you have no idea what you need to do in that next session to beat the last session to force that progression to take place. And so inside of our programming, when we're working with clients, we set this up and we have it all set up through Excel to where you can actually just follow your workout programming. Um, actually, so a lot of our, so we're right in, actually we're right in the middle of a switch with this to where we're switching everything over to our personalized app to where we're actually going to have a lost and lifting training app for everybody that we work with. So you'll be able to go into there and it will have all of your individualized and tailored programming set up for you inside of the lost and lifting app. But I've always ran it through Excel. So uh, most of the clients that I'm working with are still inside of Excel, but a lot of the new clients that are coming in that are starting to, to work with Alex, they are actually getting to start running off of that app. And I'll get all of my clients switched over here quite shortly as well. But, but yeah, if you aren't tracking your progressions in terms of what you're doing in the gym. You don't know what to do in the next workout to progress off of the last workout. And so you got to make sure you're putting those metrics in place so that then you can put yourself in a position to be able to beat those metrics. And again, obviously if you're not a part of our programming and you're not in our Excel sheets and you're not in our app, another really good app that I'll give a little bit of a shout out to here that I used for years is called rep count. And I know on Apple, they have a really good version of it. I'm not sure about Android. I know that there was always some issues with Android with the rep or with the app rep count. I'm not sure if that's been resolved or not, but if you have, I would try it even if you do have an Android is download the app rep count 
and that's a really good place to be able to track your workouts. It's just very well put together. It even gives you a place to where when you run a workout, you can copy and paste the whole workout to the next day, and then when you put it in the next day or the next week, it will show you what you did the week before so that you literally just already have it there for you and you know what you need to beat in that next week to continue making progress. So Rep Count is an amazing app. Again, if you're a client with us, you'll have access to something very, very similar to that. Um, under the new Lost and Lifting training app, which is coming out, which I'm, which I'm super excited about. But yeah, make sure you are tracking what you're doing in the gym so then it puts you in a position to where you can actually make progress from session to session, and that's what's going to force your body to progress on the backside of it. Point number three is you're choosing fancy exercises off of social media instead of the most basic effective exercises that are actually going to force your body to create adaptions. Man, whenever I get on Instagram these days or even TikTok and just start scrolling my feed or even the explore page, all I see, I swear, and I, I don't mean this to be a Debbie Downer, but I see so many people with really, really great bodies doing such out of the ordinary exercises that are just there to get your attention. They're all done with really, really high quality, really amazing cameras, really amazing lenses, and these people are ripped, right? These girls are ripped. They have big glutes. They have small small waists. These guys have chiseled abs. They have big chests, big shoulders, and they're doing these exercises that didn't help them achieve that body in the first place, and so it's kind of frustrating to see, honestly, because it's just there as like this shiny object to get you intrigued, but it's not there to actually help you create the result that you want. And so a result of this that I see in the gym all the time is people doing these such out of the ordinary exercises because they think there's like that the influencers that they follow are doing these same exercises to create the results that they are. And so they should follow suit and do the same thing when really that's not the case at all. When it comes to training and your exercise selection, it's boring. The exercises that you should be doing to create the best results possible and build a good amount of lean muscle, create good definition, um, build quality strength, really comes down to the boring exercises. It comes down to choosing variations of the squat movement pattern that work best for you. It comes down to choosing variations of the hip hinge movement pattern that work best for you, as well as some form of a variation of pressing, which is obviously going to just be like some sort of a, a normal shoulder press or a chest press. And then the rowing, some sort of, some form of a horizontal row and a vertical row. Those are the big movements that the majority of your program should be centered around. But like I said, we see so many just uncommon fancy type exercises that aren't allowing you to progress as efficiently as you could as the simples, like a squat, like a deadlift, like an RDL, like a bench press or a dumbbell bench press or a dumbbell shoulder press, a cable row, a dumbbell row, um, a pull down or a pull up. None of those are super sexy exercises, but those are the exercises that for the vast majority of people are going to be the most effective for you to be doing and going to create the most muscle recruitment during those exercises, which is going to then again, help you create the most results. But so often I see people doing these random 
hit type workouts to where they're doing different types of burpee variations or they're doing muscle ups or they're doing jump squats or all of these exercises that, yeah, they look really cool and they grab your attention on social media. Absolutely. Because it does look cool. And if you see this ripped person doing them, I mean, obviously it's going to make you want to go out and do that same exercise because that's what they're trying to lead you to believe. But you got to remember social media is just a game of attention, right? Everybody on there is just trying to get your attention. And more often than not, the simple, the boring, the just the very normal things aren't what they aren't the things that are going to create or grab the most attention from others. And so being able to sift through that bullshit and realize that, okay, this person is just trying to get my attention and this actually probably isn't what's going to be the most effective for me to be doing is something that you have to learn over time. And I know that I had to learn that over time as well because I would see these guys doing these exercises that looked really cool, but I would do them in the gym and I felt like I was cool and I was doing something different and almost like I knew something that the other people in the gym didn't know, but really... I was honestly probably just making more of a fool of myself as well as wasting my time and not spending it as efficiently as I could if, again, I was just getting really good at basic movements like some form of a squat, some form of a deadlift, some sort of form of a press, some form of a row, and then adding in the isolation stuff on top of that and aiming to progress it over time. So make sure you're not getting too fancy and make sure you're not trying to follow these secret exercises that you see all over Instagram and all over TikTok because if they're not the basics and you're not sure where you're even supposed to be feeling that exercise in your body, well, chances are that exercise is probably not very effective. So keep it very basic, keep it very simple and aim to progress it over time. And as long as you're feeling the correct muscles being worked in those exercises, those are probably the best exercises for you. And again, things like burpees, things like muscle ups, things like box squats, they're all cool and they're all great, but really they're not helping you recruit that much muscle fiber during the exercise, which again, is it going to put you in a position to build muscle from the exercise, which isn't going to necessarily benefit you. Sure. You might burn some calories from doing that exercise, but as we know, the main reason that we should be exercising and training isn't just to burn a bunch of calories, but it's to progress our training to help build more lean muscle on our bodies, which is then going to help us look better. The leaner that we get, it's also going to help us have stronger metabolism so that we're going to be able to eat more food to be able to sustain our results easier, et cetera, et cetera. So make sure that you're, you're, you have your bullshit meter high when you're surfing through social media and you're looking at all the different fancy exercises that you have, that you see people doing. And if they aren't simple, they honestly probably aren't the exercises that you should be choosing for the majority of your training. Number four, you aren't adding deloads to help control your fatigue so that you can continue making progress into the future. When I say deloads, you're probably wondering what that means. And it's a very simple concept. The longer that you progress your training over time, the stronger that you're getting. You're building strength as you're progressing in terms of weight, in terms of reps, etc. But what you have to remember as you are building up and you're progressing your training over time, you're also building up your fatigue. And so what can happen here is that as you're building strength, you're building fatigue at the same time. That strength that you're building can be masked by your fatigue that you're building as well. And so what we have to do is we have to get rid of that fatigue 
to let the strength that you've built actually shine through so that we can see it in your training so that we can continue progressing over the long term. And this is something that a lot of people don't think about or if you're not into the research or the, the evidence to understand how to periodize your intensities over time that you can get to a point to where your training isn't progressing anymore. You hit a plateau and you deem that you just can't progress anymore and, and, and you don't know what to do moving forward. So you continue to try harder and harder, but all you're doing is just banging your head into this brick wall and you feel like you're stuck in terms of your training. And now you're, you're not motivated to go to the gym anymore. You're not looking forward to your workouts and it can ultimately lead to just being in this overtrained state. And so when it comes to a deload, let's talk about first, how you go about doing it. And second, how often you should go about doing it. First and foremost, when it comes to how, the big thing here is we're just trying to drop down your intensity and we're just trying to drop down your volume, generally for anywhere for a four to seven day period. For some people, I'll only do the deload for around a four day period. For other people, I'll run a deload for around a seven day period. It just really depends on the individual, their personality type, and where they're at in their training career. But what we will do here is essentially we'll take each exercise that you're doing. Let's say in the majority of your sets, you're doing three to four exercises. So what we would do in this situation is, okay, we're only going to do two sets of all of the exercises that you're doing. And in those exercises, I want you to drop the amount of weight that you're using by roughly 30%. And I just want you to really focus in these workouts on using really proper form, taking the exercises slow, and just focusing on really making sure you're using the correct muscle groups that you should be using. And what this does first and foremost is obviously it drops down the volume that you're doing. It drops down the intensity that you're doing for the week. And obviously that's going to help you drop that fatigue down for the week as well to wash that away to let your new strength shine through. But what it's also doing when we put a much bigger emphasis on our form and trying to make sure that we're using the correct muscle groups during that exercise, it helps us continue to build the skill at that movement with lighter weights so that when we go back to using heavier weights, we've been making sure that we're keeping our form in check and we're really practicing that as well. So it's almost like killing two birds with one stone in that way. I'll get a lot of clients that after they take that deload, they, they always come back to me and say, man, like I realized that I was overcompensating in this exercise just to try to use more weight more often as we pulled off that weight. And I just did the exercise um, with a lot lighter weight and could really focus on the form. I could really feel that exercise where I needed to fill it once again which felt really good. When I go into this next training cycle, I think I'm going to start with a little bit more weight so I can focus on making sure that, that my form is on point and then I'll start progressing in terms of weight and reps with my form being much better and then I'm going to see better results from my training as well. And so that is the point of the deload is it drops down your fatigue. It gives you a chance to be able to practice these exercises with lighter weights, which again, one thing that that's going to do for you as well is when you go into the gym and you don't quite give a full effort and try to progress your training and you just go in just to kind of go through the motions and practice what you're doing, it almost puts you in a position to where for that next week when training comes back and you're going to ramp it back up with a little bit more volume, a little bit higher intensities, it makes you more motivated to go back into those training sessions instead of just continuously trying to progress. When you take one step backwards, 
like I said, it puts you in a more motivated state to be able to continue taking multiple steps forward into the future. And so it can be something that's hard to do because of that, because you almost feel like you are taking that one step back. But after you've done it a couple of times, I think you'll start to realize that you actually start to look forward to those deloads that you have coming up. And it actually lets you train harder in the weeks where you're not deloading because it puts you in a position to where you know that deload's coming. So you really want to push to actually be able to earn that deload. So hopefully that makes sense. And then when it comes to how often that you should be programming these deloads in, I like to keep this very individual to the client that I'm working with. There are generic things that you could say, and I have recommended in the past, every four weeks you should be taking a deload, but really it could be every four weeks, every six weeks, every eight weeks, every 12 weeks. Generally, when I'm working with a client on a weekly basis as we're going through check-ins and whatnot, we're talking about, okay, how are you feeling in terms of your progressions in terms of your training? Are you still progressing things pretty easily? How motivated are you to go into the gym? How, how recovered are you when you're feeling, when you're going into the gym? How are your pumps when you're in the gym? Where's your mindset with the gym? And as people start to progress their training over time, all of this comes back a little bit more negative over time. It gets a little bit harder to keep progressing your training. You're not as motivated to keep going into the gym. You're feeling a little bit more burnout. You're not recovering from your sessions quite as well. And as this gets worse and worse and worse and more unmanageable, this is when I'll say, okay, now we're going to take a deload for a week, drop all of your volume down, let yourself recover. Just focus on the form of these exercises as we go into the gym, um, just to, again, drop down that fatigue and then we'll start back up in the next week and every single time that I do that with people that most people are always a little bit hesitant at first if they haven't incorporated deloads before in the past but after they do it and then they get back to the training in the coming week 99% of the time the feedback is always like man that was like it's so nice to be back into the gym and motivated again and, and to continue to see my training and my reps and my strength and the amount of weight that I'm using go up without it feeling so hard. And the reason that happens is like I said, because that fatigue drops and the actual strength that you've been building is able to shine through. And so those progressions come back at a much quicker rate. And so that is the big thing there. Generally, we're taking a deload every four to 12 weeks with a newer client who hasn't done a lot of training in the past. Generally, deloads will need to be at a less frequent state, probably somewhere between an eight to 12 week period is when you're going to need those deloads. And then somebody who's more advanced that has been training for a few years that is good at training, has built the skill of training and knows how to handle intensity and pushes themselves hard. Then I'm looking at adding in deloads every four to six weeks generally. So make sure that you are adding deloads into your training. If you're not and you're not feeling, and the longer that you train, you can feel yourself getting less motivated. You're feeling more run down. You're not progressing your training quite as easily. You're probably just not adding in deloads and periodizing your intensities over time to allow yourself to continue progressing into the future. So make sure you are paying attention to that. Make sure you're paying attention to your biofeedback from your training. And that's going to lead to lead you to how often you need deloads. And again, for myself, I'm generally taking a deload roughly every four weeks or so. Sometimes it'll be three weeks, sometimes four weeks. If I feel like I can push it through another cycle, it might be eight weeks. But for the most part, I'm running a deload every four weeks and that's what works best for me. But again, you're gonna wanna pay attention to your biofeedback, how that's coming back, and then make deloads dependent upon that. Point number five, you aren't eating enough to support your training. Man, I made this mistake for a very long time. When I first started training for strength and training for hypertrophy to build muscle, 
I was severely under eating and I always had myself in a caloric deficit. And this isn't to say that you should never go into a caloric deficit uh, with the goal of dropping body fat to get leaner and to create more definition and to look better in that regard. But it's also to say that you shouldn't always be in a caloric deficit. If you really want to enjoy the gym and if you really want to make progress in the gym and if you really want to see your body change from all of the hard work that you put into the gym, there needs to be times where you're going through building phases as well. And yes, ladies, I'm even talking to you. You should spend time outside of a deficit to where you're eating more calories than your body is burning to allow yourself to better recover. It's going to help you be able to better progress in your training because you're giving your body adequate calories so that you can actually recover and actually have the energy that you need to continue progressing over time. And this is when training is really, really fun because your body is in an optimal state to be building muscle when you're eating at least the amount of calories that your body is burning. So you're at least eating at a maintenance level of calories. Ideally, you'd be even eating in a slight caloric surplus of calories to really take advantage of the hard work that you're putting into the gym. And you can absolutely build some muscle while being in a calorie deficit and dropping body fat at the same time. But it's not something that everybody can do, right? It's something that the, the general situations where it's possible for this to happen is one, if you're brand new to the gym, and you've never trained before, you're going to be able to put yourself into a deficit. You're going to be able to start training, get stronger over time, and you're going to drop body fat and you're going to build muscle simultaneously. Two, if you're somebody who has trained a lot in the past, but you've gotten away from training for a good amount of time and maybe you've lost some of your strength, you've lost some of the muscle that you've built, as you get back into training and you get consistent again, you're probably in a situation where you're going to be able to recomp build muscle, drop body fat at the same time while eating in a caloric deficit. And third, if you're somebody that's coming back from an injury, if you've been off of training just because you've been hurt, you've have to, you've been recovering, well, then again, you're in a position as you get back into training, you're going to be able to build some muscle and drop some body fat at the same time in a caloric deficit just because your body isn't used to the training stimulus. So you're going to be able to recomp. And actually, I'm going to add one more piece to this. If you're somebody who hasn't been optimizing your nutrition or your training, and let's say you have been training for the last while, but you're not paying attention to calories in, calories out, you're not paying attention to how much protein you're eating per day, you're not paying attention to your progressions in the gym, and you don't have any of these things optimized, then you're probably in a position as well where you can build muscle and drop body fat at the same time. But the people that can't are the people who have been doing all of these things that I'm talking about pretty consistently for the for a good amount of time. If you've been through your newbie phase to where you have built some muscle, drop body fat together, you've recomped and you're a little bit more advanced into your training, now you're in a position to where it's going to be a lot harder to be able to be in a calorie deficit and to be able to continue to drop body fat and build muscle simultaneously. So this is where you need to start phasing things out and you need to give yourself phases where you're eating at least at a caloric maintenance, but again, ideally in a caloric surplus to be able to really take advantage of your training and really see results from your training to be able to add more lean muscle tissue so that the next time that you bring calories down and put yourself into a deficit, you're going to see more progress in terms of your body because you've taken time to build your body and you're not always under eating that is going to make training harder. It's going to make progressions over time harder, and it's not going to put you in that optimal state to be building muscle. So again, you've got to make sure that the more advanced that you get in your training, 
the more you're periodizing out your nutrition, giving yourself building phases, giving yourself cutting phases, giving yourself maintenance phases. I've talked about this a lot, but for me, my general cycle over a year is generally the first part of the year I'm spending in a slight surplus from around, let's say January to roughly March or April, I'm in a surplus. And then around the end of April till about the mid part of summer, I'll take that time and generally go through a deficit phase where I'm aiming to drop body fat. And then through the rest of the summer, I'll generally end up back around a maintenance level of calories. I'll end up just coming back to a spot to where I can just maintain and enjoy my level of leanness through the rest of the summer. Then as the fall starts to come into play, I start to inch things back up into a surplus. And then again, I'm sitting in that surplus from anywhere from September, November to roughly March of every single year. So I'm going through these phases to where I'm in positions where I'm in a surplus where I can focus on building muscle. And then I get to a place to where I want to drop some body fat through the summer um, to get leaner. Then I'll maintain that through the rest of the summer. And then I'll go through that same cycle in the next year. So I'm continuously putting in my, myself in places to where I'm eating enough to support my training, to support progress, which is going to help me look better year after year. But where so many people get caught up here is just continuously thinking that you have to be in a deficit forever and you're not actually support or eating enough to support your training over time to continue making progress. And so this is where it gets a little bit more advanced, right? You just have to start planning things out over a longer spectrum of time. You can't just always be in a deficit. You can't always be under eating and expect your body to continuously keep progressing over the long term. You got to get a little bit more strategic with it and you've got to invest more time into eating more food. And I know I made this mistake for the first few years, really. I kept myself in a deficit and I ended up with a a bad relationship with food. I ended up skinnier than I ever had been. I ended up losing some muscle. Um, I just wasn't in a very good spot mentally or my, and my relationship with food was terrible because I was always under eating. And until I started learning about this and really diving into why I was binge eating, why I felt like crap, why I wasn't getting stronger, why I wasn't building muscle is because I wasn't eating enough to support my training. So make sure you are self-aware enough of this and look back at when was the last time you went through a building phase or at least a maintenance phase and weren't in a deficit. And if all your biofeedback is bad, you're food focused, you're overly hungry, you're not able to progress your training, you're not motivated anymore, your relationship with food is getting worse and worse, well, then you're probably in that exact position to where you are definitely overdue for a maintenance period or even a surplus period to give yourself more food to support your training to actually make fitness fun again and not just make it about depleting your body, but actually building your body. And the sixth point to wrap this thing up and bring everything together that we've really talked about here is you're not sticking with it long enough to see the payoff of the investment that you're putting in. And this is the biggest one. This is the most important one, really, right? With everything with fitness, when it comes to your training, when it comes to your nutrition, when it comes to seeing the results that you want to see, it's always going to take longer than you initially hope that it will. And until you accept that hard bit of truth and are ready to trust in the, pl- in the process and play the long game with this whole thing, you're going to continue to struggle. Even if you are not switching things up and you're sticking with the same workouts for at least a four-week period, even if you are tracking your progressions, even if you are making sure that you are running simple but very effective exercises, even if you are adding in deloads, and even if you are eating enough to support your training, if you're not able to be patient enough to see the payoff from all of that, 
you're still going to struggle and your training program is still going to suck and you're not going to see the result that you want to see. So again, make sure that you are being patient. Make sure you are giving yourself time. This isn't going to happen in a week. It's not going to happen in two weeks. It's not going to happen in three weeks. It's not even going to happen in four weeks. Whenever we work with somebody and bring them on as a client, we make them commit for a minimum of three months. You can commit for longer than that. You actually end up getting cheaper pricing if you commit for longer than that. And a lot of our clients do. But we do have a three-month minimum. And the reason for that isn't because, yeah, it makes them be a part of our client roster for longer, which is a bigger benefit for us. That's absolutely a piece to it. That makes sense, right? But more than that, we know that it's going to take at least three months to see a change that you're actually going to be happy with. Three months. If you're not dedicated to giving yourself at least three months of really solid effort and consistency over the long term, then you're not in a position to actually start creating the result that you want to see. This is not a quick fix. Putting all of this stuff into place, these five bullet points that I talked about before this one, putting those into place isn't a quick fix. It's not going to make it happen super quick. It's definitely going to make it happen faster for you than not following these five bullet points. But again, it's still not going to happen as quickly as you probably want it to. It comes down to being patient, being willing to work hard, and being willing to trust in the process over the long term. And if you do that, you'll end up in a position three months from now, six months from now, 12 months from now, that's far better than the position that you're in today. But again, you have to get out of the mindset of wanting to put in some effort and see a quick payoff for it. Because anything worth achieving in life, anything that's meaningful, anything that's actually going to take your your actually going to change your life is going to come down to taking a lot of effort and a lot of patience to make that happen. Your body composition is no different. So, I would argue that this sixth point is the point that ties the other five points all together that's actually going to help you create that positive change that you want to. And that's all that I've got for you today. So like I said, I really do appreciate you guys for tuning in. If you found value here, I'd be extremely grateful if you could share this episode on your social medias. If you could go down below, leave the podcast a review. Again, that just helps the podcast be able to grow in terms of Apple ranks. If you can leave a star rating as well as a written review, I would really appreciate that. Hopefully you have an amazing day. I'll talk with you soon.